0: Today's guest is traveling around the world, visiting extensively with one Catholic family at a time, in every single time zone. And for each of those experiences, she produces a beautifully photographed story of the Catholic children and how they live their faith. Join me in talking with the amazing Emily Cazella about The Very Young Catholic Project. Hello and welcome, I'm Lisa Meladnik, your host, and I'm delighted to be talking with Emily Cazella about the Very Young Catholic Project. Here's what Emily Cazella has to say about her life. I grew up in a Catholic family with a scientist father who worked for NASA and a mom who taught high school English. My husband-to-be and I met in high school Bible study group. We dated through college and then married. A few years later, we enrolled in law school. For the next 30 years, when there was a toddler in the house, I stayed home, and in between I worked at jobs that allowed me flexible hours. I also won local elective office, which was a great lesson that to a Christian, a position of power means responsibility and service. When the kids were grown i obtained another degree in school business management some years ago as i retired from my job as chief financial officer to a network of catholic schools i began the very young catholic project publishing the first book in 2019 and in the show notes i have uh, the website of the with videos of Emily's travels. She also does readings of some of the book chapters on YouTube. You'll search for Very Young Catholic. There's a project email and the publisher website for her books. Emily, it is so neat to have you with us, and I'm excited that you're back in a U.S. time zone, so it's a little easier. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It is nice yeah. to be in the U.S. time zone. Yeah. So, tell us where you've just been and and kind of where you are in the country. Uh, so neat to have you back on U.S. soil.
1: <laughs> I'm just home from Australia, um, which is book number 13. It will be book number 13 when it comes out. Um, I was visiting a wonderful family. Um, they, I, I almost felt as though I had made them up, but they were real. They run a beautiful sheep farm in a gorgeous part of Australia. Um, The kids are all as cute as they can be and funny and charming. Um, Their parish is tiny, absolutely tiny. They're way out in the country, Um, but a wonderful, faithful parish and a wonderful, faithful family. Um, That's what I find in each place that I go around the world. And it's just like finding little candles burning um, in the darkness. You can't believe how beautiful it is.
0: Oh, my goodness. All right, so I want to really understand this. Um, you are living an amazing an adventure. I want to hear everything, like what inspired the project? What makes this possible? How do you pick the families? All of that. So would you just start us where it feels most natural to begin Emily, and tell us about how this all came to be? well,
1: for for all of us who um, think about uh, raising children, and raising them Catholic. And that's a challenge. It always has been. It always will be. But it's particularly a challenge when it's feeling a little, it can get to feel a little bit lonely. And even when my own children were small, which was a long time ago, I thought I this would be easier if you knew that children all over the world were Catholic just like you. Um, but I didn't, you know, I had a lot of kids. I had a lot going on. I didn't, I had no time for anything like that. But when they had all grown up, and it was time for their grandchildren, um, and then I was coming up on retirement from the finance job, and I just felt that the Holy Spirit was saying, this is the time. But I didn't want to just do it because traveling would be fun or, you know, some really very superficial reason. So I spent about a year in discernment. Um, reading and seeing if it was possible and praying, Lord, is this just a little game I thought up or is this for real? Um, But you know how the Lord sometimes, he speaks to us a lot of different ways, but sometimes um, you'll be just going along and then a line in scripture just will sit up and say, okay, well, I'm speaking to you right now. So sit up, Emily, and listen. And so um, the scripture line that made me say, okay, well, this is for real then. This is really the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Um, had to do with speaking speaking a word to the people who are discouraged. It's from Isaiah. And he just says, um, speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. And I thought, we're, we're all a little weary. It's been a tough decade to be Catholic. Even my, my faith in the Lord never changes at all. But there's been some rough times. And I thought... Yeah, but underneath it all, the love of the Lord and the truth of the Church remain. So why don't why don't I just get out and find that? Um, and I'm speaking to kids between seven and twelve, or I thought I was. It turned out I was speaking to a much wider group than that. Um, but so I just uh, I began uh, just, and I I had done the research. That's really one first beautiful lesson of all this. There are Catholic churches in every time zone of the world. That is not true for most people. Most people cannot say that about their beliefs, that they are held all the way around the world. In fact, I'm not sure any other religion can say it, but certainly very few. Um, But I started researching those tiny little islands out in the middle of the Pacific where you'd think, well, of course there's no Catholic church there. There's no people there. Well, I'm here to tell you, you find the most remote inhabited islands in the world, and you say Catholic Church, Galapagos Islands, and five parishes come up. Wow. You, you say Easter Island, which is also known as Rapa Nui. Absolutely, there's a Catholic church there, Mass at 9 a.m., baptisms on Tuesday. <laughs> it was it was really, really uh. inspiring.
0: Oh, you're giving me the holy shivers. That's astonishing. The whole thing, from discernment to the research, just opening up that, that connection to the whole world. It's ex- incredibly exciting. You just, you think about two really big things that the Lord
1: has told us to do. And in a way, I feel as though I've set out to see how we're doing. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. So we all show up at Mass on Sunday. For 2,000 years, we've been showing up at Mass on Sunday and and being part of that Eucharistic celebration. And what if one of us fails, another picks up? Because as a church, we haven't failed. No matter how much each one of us might have not totally done the best. As a church, (laughs) we have stuck with that. And the other thing he said was, go and teach all nations, yet baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, what I found was that for centuries, centuries, right up until one of the stories in my book, the, the missionaries reached that village 15 years ago. Other times, they reached it 2,000 years ago. I mean, they came over into Austria. The missionaries came over from Italy into Austria in the year 147. I mean, we're seeing the whole entire range of the Catholic missionary um of, of their jobs, of their duty, of their faith, of their courage, of their endurance. Um, so I didn't set out to find the missionaries, but I sure did find them. And um, and I found their work. I found their enduring churches. And then because I was writing for children, I found the lovely families that just live it out day after day. So I hope, in the end, more than anything, that the children and the other people who hear about this and read it, will just take courage and say, I'm really not alone. I'm really not alone at all. All around the world, there's families and moms and dads and kids just like me getting up every Sunday, praying every Monday and Tuesday, and really just sticking with it.
0: Oh my, oh my. i just getting such, you know, the holy shivers listening. Oh, So Emily, what was the process of just choosing the first parish. Tell us about your early beginnings. You said you weren't looking for the missionaries, but you found them. What else unfolded to you as you stepped into actually living this out? And I just want to say, too, as you're pondering that question to everyone listening, you know, St. Pope Paul the Sixth said that the church listens to witnesses, that people listen to witnesses, are more than teachers, unless the teachers are witnesses. And I just want to say the witness of your faith in this. Stepping out and traveling the world is so powerful. And I'm so grateful that you're documenting it all and sharing it with the world, that it's not just for you, that it's also for us. So, so step us into what that was like making this happen. Well, it's
1: always a little bit like going off the high dive. You know, you walk out to the end of that board and you look down at the water and you think, looks a long way down, doesn't it? <laughs> huh? But... But I was so sure by that time, uh, and I'd even had that conversation that you, you know, it's a huge commitment of our family time resources. So there did come a day uh, where I had to say to my husband, "Um, honey, I have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I'm married to a very, very, not, not just a nice guy. Of course, he's a nice guy, but he's also a very prayerful guy. And he listened to me and he thought, Okay, well, let me just pray about that one for a little while. Um, but our year of discernment included included him, of course, because if we were going to do this. He didn't want to. He didn't want to write or necessarily travel with me, but he did. He is a vital part of the support mechanism. So, anyway, when we reached the point where we were sure, um, I began with my own home parish, actually, um, as a as a professional courtesy, so to speak. Um, I went to my pastor. I went to the. I, I made sure the bishop knew. Um, that's the kind of thing that it's. It's just a politeness thing. They should. If a major Catholic undertaking is going on in the parish, the pastor's not supposed to hear it through the grapevine. He's supposed to hear it face to face. So
0: mm, that's so
1: thoughtful. I love that. I just went and made a courtesy call and made sure that it got to the bishop. And you know, I don't need permission to do this, but I need them to know. <clears throat> well, I was fortunate or blessed, I'll say. My pastor was a big fan right away. He was such a good sport about it. So, he said, um, I said, I'd love to just start right here. just Start my own parish, make my mistakes right here at home where I can fix them before I go out traveling and involve any other nations. <laughs> um, so he found me a lovely family, somebody I didn't know so that I wasn't picking, you know, favorites or, or my next door neighbor or, you know, my own children or something. Um, And we started out, and it turned out to be a very blessed choice, because from then on, whenever I traveled the world, I carried with me the books from the U.S. And um, everybody loved to see. Um, The the very next book I did was in West Africa, in a tiny little country called Togo. It's maybe 100 the size of the United States. Lovely parish, amazing parish um, out in the countryside. And when I would out, get out the books from the United States and say, well, this is my parish and this is my pastor, um, oh, the mission began to, to, to reach hearts right away because the United States is sort of a mythical country in a lot of the world. It's like, does it really exist? Is it really there? And if it is, is it all like Hollywood? And suddenly here were these little kids sweeping the floor and going to a baseball game and down at the beach and going to church just like Little boys in the Togo book. The little boys in the Togo book are are, uh, both altar boys, and the little boy in the one of the little boys in the U.S. book is also. So the little Togo kids are looking through and they're going, Oh, look, 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 this is just like me. And I was going, That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The church is the same, the prayers are the same, not too much else is the same. (laughs) uh, but, (laughs) But, you know, there's mom, there's dad, we go to school. Uh, it was. It turned out to be a very powerful first. Even though it's not my best book, it was a great witness that the Catholic, that the USA also has Catholics. Um, so it, it was. A, it turned out to be a good first choice, even though it was um, done partly just out of you know, make my first mistakes at home um, where it's easier to fix
0: them. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the beginning. Wow. So, as you're stepping into it in that prayerful place with the Holy Spirit and and using your own gifts, God-given gifts, to discern and to plan, um, you said, you, you made kind of a telling comment, Oh, it wasn't my best book. What did you learn from those first couple of experiences that have helped to shape this project? And also, at any time, please tell us how it's shaping you. The, um,
1: I learned, in the beginning, I was trying to imagine what the story should look like. Um, And of course, that's possibly because it was the US and I've raised kids here. So maybe that was a little bit of it. Um, And I was also trying to set the stage. That's always a tougher part of a book, of, of a series. But Almost immediately, including starting right away in the Togo book and then the Austria book, and then going on through uh, Fiji and Taiwan, um, I realized that the children were going to have a story. I didn't have to. I didn't have to think ahead and say, "Let's try and do this. Let's try and do that." I just went with the children, lived their life, because it always was a story. It always was darling and funny and and lovable and inspiring. Um, there came a point where I said, even if nobody else ever reads one single one of these books, this would be a great thing for my faith, um, just to travel. Taiwan is a tiny little island, a hundred miles off the coast of mainland China. Not very many Catholics there, and the ones who are there, um, the original generation, uh, or the long ago generation, were all fleeing Mao's China, where they knew that they would be killed, um. But now, that group is mostly um, very, very elderly, if they're still alive at all. You know, they were fleeing in 1945. The Catholics in Taiwan now are a very small percentage of the population, and many of them are converts, including the family in the book. Um, But when I showed up and said, hi, I'm here to write a book about your wonderful, I mean, obviously, I asked their permission ahead of time. I don't mean this to sound
0: (laughs) You didn't just um, show up and knock on the door. Yeah. Hey, guys, here I am. Hi there. Um,
1: but even for them, I know for them, even to get my my first message saying, you know, somebody's told me that maybe you would be willing. Um, for them and for everyone in their parish, it was sort of, wait, wait a minute, we're really not alone. This person is coming thousands and thousands of miles to pray with us. And then she's going to just go to school with us, and go to the beach with us, and go to the park with us, and they, it said right what I wanted it to say, which is, you have, you're not forgotten. Because it isn't that Emily hasn't forgotten you, it's that the Lord hasn't forgotten you, the rest of the Catholic Church hasn't forgotten you. And what happens now is when, when you, the thing that I notice now, more than anything, is how many times at Mass we pray for our brothers and sisters. And who are those brothers and sisters? It's not just the people right beside you in the pew or even in your city. When I'm praying now, I always am thinking, yes, I'm at 10 o'clock mass, but 10 o'clock mass in Fiji was more than 12 hours ago, and they have already had mass, and then Taiwan had mass, and then India had mass, and I'm just joining in the chain. Um, I can't, I got to remember those are all my brothers and sisters, and not to." I have that in my heart now, but I'm hoping that every child that reads that feels that too, that somewhere else in the world, there's a little girl just like them who likes the same things that they like, was a pretty different life, but is at Mass on Sunday praying for all their brothers and sisters. So that's the really big impact on me is that that understanding of who we, who's we, who are we praying for uh, is just so vivid in my heart.
0: Mm. I want to just um, say, and I'm sure our listeners and watchers are noticing this, too, that Emily has a very gentle, tender heart. And that is the way to approach another culture, right? We approach kind of reverently in observation of where their sensitivities are and all of that. So I know that you did a lot of research and preparation, and I'm guessing it wasn't your first time traveling either. But tell us about The some of the challenges, Emily, just briefly, like my immediate question is, how did you deal with the language barrier? Because I lived in Hong Kong for, you know, a little while with my husband in the 1990s and everyone there spoke English, you know, all the schools they taught in English because it had been Mm -hmm. in a British Mm -hmm. territory. But what did you find in terms of the ability to connect with people in different languages and cultures? I know that's a very complicated question, but... (laughs) It's um, it, it does go right to the heart of the matter,
1: um, and the answer has been different in every country. Um, I, I've always had to negotiate it, and sometimes I'm fine. Uh, there's someone, uh, uh, often the parents speak English, even if the children don't, um, or someone in the, um, if, if they think they're going to have a complicated conversation, they'll find a neighbor or somebody who speaks English. It's, very, it's a very widespread language now. But I'm also fortunate, I spend a lot of time before I go, uh, writing back and forth with the family so that we're already friends by the time I arrive. And for that, I can use Google Translate and then I send it on WhatsApp, which almost everyone in the world is on. Um, And it's much safer for for the people, families who are in risky, in countries where being Catholic is risky. Uh, But, there's also a spoken google translate you can speak into google translate and then have it translate on the spot into the other language and and play it back as a recording um, that's not a foolproof strategy as I got. was
0: just thinking that cuz ai is <laughs> so, no it makes sometimes hilarious yes, mistakes <laughs> yes yes we've we've
1: um <clears throat> but so far we've always been able to manage it between um between the dictionary, between gestures, I'm good at charades. They know what I'm there for. Um, and there's almost always someone who speaks enough English to get us through. Um, I am about to face my toughest challenge in that because the um, in, in February, I'm going to a small village in Thailand, not Bangkok, where I can find an English speaker on every corner, um, but to a remote village. And um, I'm told that the pastor speaks English, but I've been told this before, and I'm sure he does speak English, but it won't be probably much English. Um, But on the other hand, you know, we're there with a camera, we're there talking to little kids um, and hanging out with their life. Um, We can always ask follow-up questions uh, by email, and then we can use the translate function. So I'm sure it will turn out all right. Um, But I do have to say the little girl, the tiniest of the children in Argentina, um, listened to me talking to her brothers and sisters in English. Um, one of her sisters was quite fluent. Her parents were fine. So we would chat in English. And we found out later that the little six-year-old finally said to her mother, when the rest of us speak, we speak. But when Emily speaks, she just goes, blah, 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 blah. And, and what she meant was, Emily doesn't know how to talk. Uh, <laughs> because I, yeah. She didn't think much of I mean, I d- actually didn't know a fair amount of Spanish, but she didn't think much of my Spanish either. So it was,
0: it was pretty cute. Yeah. It's humbling being around little kids, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Emily, we are going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. We will be right back, everybody, with Emily Cazella and the Very Young Catholic Project. Stay with us.
1: Hi, I'm Walter Crawford.
0: And I'm Maureen Whitman.
1: We are the co founders of homeschoolconnections.com. And proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast.
0: Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively.
1: We want to thank you for listening.
0: And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com.
1: And now, back to our program.
0: All right, everybody. We are back with Emily Cazella and the Very Young Catholic Project. Uh, Emily, give us a sense of you've said that this project kind of evokes togetherness that chain of our i'll just use the word being a family a global family what other kinds of impact are you hoping for as people hold these books in their hands look at the charming pictures of catholics living out their lives and little children and their joy around the world what kinds of things are you hoping for and what kinds of feedback have you had so far
1: Well, I begin with the word courage. I would love for this to be a way for people who maybe feel a little alone or isolated in their faith or whose children are growing up in countries with very few other uh, Catholics to, to uh, have fellowship with, that they take courage from watching these brothers and sisters, not only across the world, but across time. I often refer it in a book to the to the history of the Catholic Church. I mean, I'm writing for 10-year-olds, I don't give a doctoral thesis on this, but <laughs> I mention um, the ancient heritage um, for in the Ireland book, for example, and in the Austria book. And where it's a new Catholic uh, village, like one of the ones in the Togo book, all the more power to them that they would hear the word of the Lord and, and, and grab onto it. Um, so, courage is the first thing that I'm hoping that people will take from this, is just this is, the Lord has asked us to do a very, very difficult project, and we've stuck to it for 2,000 years. People whose names we'll never know, places we'll never hear of, um, were just as faithful as they could be in those quiet, faraway places. Um, and, and then I go looking, and there they are. So, um, so take courage. And then, um, in the Mass, you hear several prayers. Um, there's a beautiful Eucharistic prayer um, where the priest uh, says, "From uh, you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to the glory of your name. Mm. Okay, well, I've been from east to west now. Fiji is the international dateline. Togo is the Greenwich Meridian. That's as far as you can go on this earth. Um, all the way to the far north in the Yukon and Iceland, uh, all the way south to the bottom of Argentina. Actually, there's five Catholic churches in Antarctica, if you can imagine. There's even wow, a yeah, one of them's carved out of ice. I don't, think, I don't think they hold mass there every Sunday, but some sailors uh, decided that that's what they would do at their spare time. So, um, so yes, oh north my. east to west, the busiest cities, the tiniest islands. Um, There's people there saying, do this in remembrance of me, and remembering Jesus, remembering his sacrifice every Sunday, and praying for their brothers and sisters around the world. So, they're doing it, we're doing it. It's just that it's catching up the globe in that good net of prayer that you want it to have, um, and that the Lord told us to do. I mean, this isn't just, we thought it was a nice idea, this isn't just holding hands, This this is really carrying out the Lord's mission. Um, he said, "In there's a uh, line in Matthew where he says, We preach the gospel to the whole world, and then the end will come. Well, how are we doing on that? Have we gotten to the whole world? Um, and I'm just sort of going out and saying, Well, pretty close. We got a lot, of people, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people in a lot of very remote places. So that's, I want them to do that. And then um, in each book, I tell the story of the child's life, just funny little things going on a picnic or whatever they do. Um, And then in the back, I'm writing for 10-year-olds and 7-10-year-olds, to 7-12. to And they like facts, you know, they like to kind of pile up funny little, oh, I know something about dinosaurs or rocks or stars or whatever it is. So I always have a little section in the back of um, facts, you know, things you encountered in this book. Where's the location? Where exactly is this place? But between the end of the story and the beginning of this little appendix, I always have exactly the same paragraph, always the end of every book, and it says, I just have the, I say the children will continue growing up in their beautiful city or village or town, their parish and their family will look after them, help them grow, every Sunday they will go to church and pray for all their brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world, that includes you maybe someday you will come to visit. And then I always have a picture of the congregation of that church. Um, and when we're taking that picture, which is always funny uh, to take that, <laughs> that screen door, that welcoming shot, um, I say to the people in the picture, try to imagine that your child reader is walking right up to your church and you want to make them feel as though you're a friendly bunch. They're saying, oh, we're so glad to see you. Um, so that's what I want people to take away is, any Catholic church anywhere around the world, you can walk in, and there they'll be. Father will come down the aisle. He'll turn around and say, "In the name of the Father and the Son in whatever language they're speaking," you know what he's going to say. You know what's going to happen. Um, everyone else does too. Um, it's an inspiring thing to just realize the Catholic church doors are not shut. You just say Masses at nine, and you go. Um, my favorite Mass of this whole time, wasn't even part of a book. I was just visiting people in a country. I was doing a book and I went to this beautiful mass, wonderful priest, great sermon came out the front door and right there on my left was Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh. And, um, tiny little village. I was probably the only person that had been in that white. Ch- I mean, only white person that ever been in that church. Um But I was Catholic. I was there. I knew what I was doing. They all knew what They could see I knew what I was doing. They just wished me peace when it came to the kiss of peace. And other than that, I'm just a sister. It was lovely. Wow. It happens all the time.
0: Wow. That's just so thrilling, Emily. Um, I'm thinking, and I'm sure other homeschooling families are too, that there are so many subjects that we could link this to, you know, sort of without mm-hmm. spoiling the fun of the books themselves, just letting the kids explore them and ask their questions and and have fun with them and return to them again and again. But we can be plotting places on a map, such as you have, you have your world map. And by the way, mm-hmm. for those of you watching on YouTube, those little tiny flags you can see peeking up behind Emily, she's going to lean over so we can see a few those her husband bought her a flag for every country she's been in so far and it's 13 so far Mm -hmm. emily is that correct that's just the sweetest thing ever so we can be doing a geography lesson we can be talking about as you said the mass and on and, and other things, what kinds of uh, kind of areas of education, if you were back in time with your own little ones and using these books, and of course you've brought books with you and showed them to the kids, what kinds of questions do they ask? Where can we take this into how we're forming them? The,
1: the two most, um, the two easiest are geography and faith formation. Um, the geography is a natural. As I said, I have I have from Fiji on the International Date line all the way to Togo, which is 180 degrees around the earth. Um, and now now at book 13, um I'll have two on each continent when when Australia comes out. Australia is book 13, and that will be uh the second one in the uh in the Australasia Oceania continent. So there's there's something for every continent already, and i will soon be. Too, so you can kind of contrast different aspects of that continent, um, just to plot them on the Earth and see the north, south, east, west thing going on. Um, that's wonderful. The first, like, the U.S. book does explain what a meridian is, what a line of longitude is. Um, they'll have a, a slightly uh, older child will um, enjoy realizing that there's a difference between the scientific time zones, which are every 15 degrees of longitude, and the political time zones where a country will say, well, I know we're in several different time zones, but I really need it to be 8 o'clock everywhere in this country at the same time. So they just make it all one political time uh-huh. zone. Yeah. Um, they, so, so there's that's a rather sophisticated discussion, but it, you know we get kids at a variety of ages here. Um, each one of the, of the books has a lot of research behind it. Um, I hope it doesn't show. I don't want it to show. Um, I mean, I don't want it to feel as though they're reading a doctoral thesis. But for example, uh, the Iceland book. For the Iceland book, I read five or six books on the conversion of Scandinavia, um, b- besides also reading uh, whatever um, whatever major point of doctrine is in the book. I, I make sure. I mean, I read the Bible and the Catholic Catechism before I ever even started, um, and then I do a, you know all the Word on Fire courses. Every something that keeps me researching all the time, mm-hmm. um, and so. There's funny little things like the uh, the Ecuador book has pirates in it. The India book has the little known dinosaurs of India in it. Um, Iceland has the um, the first woman to sail to North America from uh, from Europe it came from Iceland. She was Leif Erikson's sister in law. Um, wow. she's a huge hero of mine because Leif Erikson's a wonderful hero, and I take no no uh, nothing no discredit to him, but but Goothreader sailed with a toddler in the
0: boat. Now, <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the year 1000. It's an open boat in the North Atlantic, and she's got a three-year-old. Okay, we're talking about a hero uh, or heroine. Oh. oh, my so, goodness. The book has, has um, you know, has, has little lead-ins like that to history, geography, um, r- religious history. Um, and what I found is that there's a, At the college level, at the university level, there's courses developing in something that they're calling global Catholicism, and they've all sort of adopted me (laughs) as a younger, not as my, not that I'm a younger sister, but that my readers are younger students at the same time, Um, because certainly for religion, this is the universal church. You just look at those 11 books with those sweet faces and all those titles, that's the universal church.
0: Oh, how wonderful. It's so good to think of ourselves as a family. It just changes the way we think about so much because we're unfortunately the world is getting kind of tribal in a in a negative sense, you know, us against them kind of stuff. So I, I love just the whole ethos of this, the heart that is there. Just um where are you going next? I know you're still you're about to probably wrap up writing your Australia book, but what's next?
1: Well, I just um uh, so, 24 time zones, of course, because there's 24 hours of the day. The sun's uh, so up. So, 24 books is the total project. Um, 11 were in the picture uh, of the titles that you showed. 12 was Argentina, which isn't, which I just sent in for publication. Um, 13 Australia, where I'm I'm working on that one right now, as we as we're talking, um, and um, uh, our, Thailand this little village in Thailand that I was mentioning is the, uh, will be, uh, book 14. And then for as wild of a contrast as I could possibly get, which I did not set this up. This is Lord. Um, uh, Brazil, a very, very urban neighborhood in Brazil, uh, on the far East coast of Brazil. Um, and then we'll see what comes after that, but those are the two that are, that are set up. Um, and, and if you just if you just say that to yourself, if you just say Argentina, Australia, rural village in Thailand, very urban neighborhood in Brazil, and every one of those places, I'm finding a wonderful Catholic family that is excited to bear witness to Jesus. Um, that's my story right there. That's the that's the geography, that's the inspiration, that's the love of the Lord. That's the Catholic Church feeding the poor, and taking care of the hungry. A um, couple of places I'd love to go. Um, I'd love to go see those kids in Antarctica. They're Catholic. Um, there's not very many children in Antarctica, of course. Very few. Um, none at the South Pole at the research station. But, um, but the nation of Chile has a, a base in Antarctica, and it's a family thing, and there's a few kids and a school. Um, so that would be very, very long shot. Um, but maybe. Um, and then the newest Catholic nation um, that I know of, um, Mongolia, has a tiny, tiny, tiny new Catholic church, new again. They were Catholic. I mean, missionaries reached them in the year 300 or something. And, and then that group was wiped out. And then they had a long Catholic or a Christian tradition, Catholic tradition, that again was wiped out during the years of Stalin and now um, but they have catholics there now who are not preaching they're not allowed to preach they don't but they just feed the poor they take mm. care of the children i'd love to tell that story but um, i never write a book you'll notice conspicuous uh, countries that are not in my lineup and that's because um, one of my first rules is to try not to get anybody killed so in any country where every Catholic is in danger, I don't set a book. I don't call attention to those families. I I honor their courage and I don't I don't disrespect them by leaving them out. I just don't want to bring their children into danger.
0: Mm, that makes so much sense. God bless you. Um, any final thoughts for our families listening? I can
1: just say when you Hold this thought in your heart. Think about these children. Look at the beautiful faces on the covers of the book. Maybe flip through one and see their beautiful lives. And then when you're in church on Sunday, listen to some of those prayers. Listen to this. There's a beautiful, beautiful moment where we say, um, we're saying the confiteor uh, at the beginning. We say, I confess to almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters. And then you say, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary Ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters. Well, these are your brothers and sisters, and they're all asking you to pray for them. You're asking them to pray for you. You might like to know who some of them are, because you'll love them. That's the thing. Everywhere I go, I love the families. I have we have such a good time together. Um, and, just, and I'm not finding the only family in that country. I'm just finding one of them. So you just have wonderful, wonderful brothers and sisters around the world that you don't know about. And I'm just showing you a tiny, tiny, tiny few little points of light in that big, crazy darkness that the world can feel like. So I'm just I'm saying there's a lot of loving brothers and sisters out there. There's a lot of courage. Just, I guess, Take courage.
0: Mm. Bless you, bless you. May God make all your travels safe and sweet. And and I know that um, that God is just pouring the blessings both ways. He's blessing them because of you. He's blessing you because of them. He's now blessing us uh, through your story. Everybody, please take a look at VeryYoungCatholic.com. You can watch some videos with the children of some of Emily's travels. You can also hear some of her book chapters read aloud as videos uh, on YouTube. I'll have that uh, search for very young Catholic. We've got her project email. This is all being done by holyheroes.com. We've had wonderful interviews this season with Carrie Davison and Clara Davison, who are the entrepreneurs behind Holy Heroes. Uh, Thanks everybody for being with us. Uh, this has been just a, such a touching conversation. I'm leaving it with tears in my eyes. Um, Emily, thank you so much in all your travels and all the beautiful work that you're doing and your walk with the Lord for being with us today. Um, definitely want to check back with you at some point and get some updates. And uh, so grateful to you for making the time today. My pleasure. Mm, all right. God bless you, everybody who's listening in this wonderful global family. We're heard in over 80 countries around the world. God bless you all. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you next time. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.